I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, an Ethereum Summit Day 1 Roundup with Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts. And listener questions. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, May 7th, 2021. I have a lot of listener questions and a great conversation with the editor-in-chief, Dan Roberts, coming up. So let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.42 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $57,299, up a half a percent in 24. Ethereum is at $3,530, down 0.8%. Binance Coin or BNB is at 634.51, down a percent. Dogecoin is still at the number four spot at 60.8 cents, up 1.2%. And XRP is at number five at $1.62, down 3.3%. Rounding out the top 10, we have Tether, Cardano, Polkadot, Bitcoin Cash, and Litecoin. And if you guys haven't noticed, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin have been on the move lately. Oh, and I have to mention Ethereum Classic. What the hell? 300% gains in the past seven days. Yowzers. Missed that one, didn't we? Total market cap, we're at $2.4 trillion with a BTC dominance of 44.5%. Moving into those listener questions. First of all, I want to say thank you very much for sending in listener questions. I'm getting a lot of listener questions and I, I don't stop. Don't Whatever you do, don't stop sending them in. I love them. I'm sorry if I haven't got it to your question yet. Uh, it, there's a lot of them, but I really wanted to get to them. Don't stop sending questions and don't stop listening for your questions to be answered. If you found out the answer to your question already, then I'm sorry. <laughs> it took me too long, uh, but I am working through the list. First question we have today is last week you mentioned the Berlin fork of F2.0. I really don't understand what it means for a blockchain to fork or why you want to do that. Could you please explain? That's a very good question, Robert. So first, Robert, there is two kinds of forks, a hard fork and a soft fork. And so when you hard fork something it means that you're going to start playing with two different rules. For example, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin had a hard fork. Why? Because they couldn't agree on the rules of Bitcoin. The Bitcoin miners decided to split. So basically, some of the miners that maintain the blockchain decided to use one set of rules, and the other ones decided to use another set of rules. They weren't compatible. They did not work together. They just were on their own. So that is a hard fork. When a blockchain decides on two separate rules to play the game with, and they move in separate directions, Ethereum Classic and Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin, Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin, all different rules, they cannot work together. A soft fork, however, is when the rules do work together, but there is a change. For example, there's a rule that's introduced and people want to start working with two different chains but the chains still can work together because they're compatible. The rule isn't so drastic that it changes everything for the blockchain. It's just something minor that makes it just be a soft fork, and now the chains still can work together. So the, the difference between a hard fork and a soft fork 
and why you want to do that is a hard fork is when the two chains just cannot agree and want to go two separate directions. And the other one is just a tweak in some of the rules, but the rules do not interfere with the precedent set with the blockchain. And the reason why you want to do this is because sometimes you just don't agree. For example, block size. Bitcoin, a one megabyte block or a two megabyte block or a 10 megabyte block. Which one does the Bitcoin network use or the Bitcoin chain use? Well, if you say 10 megabytes and everybody else wants one megabyte, then you might have a hard fork and you guys can't agree on the rules. Robert, I hope that answers your question and thank you for asking it. Next question comes from Jeff. Jeff asks, I see different versions of coins on what appears to be different chains. I don't understand the difference. Can you explain what it means? For example, an Ethereum versus Binance chain. And why does it matter? Love your show. Good luck with your campaign. Thank you, Jeff. So first, let's give you a little bit of history. Ethereum started this all. Smart contracts, building dApps, decentralized applications, DeFi, decentralized finance, and other things on top of the Ethereum platform. Ethereum led the rails and people are putting the train on the train tracks. The thing is, because Ethereum is the first mover, it is actually kind of not the most efficient chain. It's slow, it's not scalable, and it is very expensive. So the thing is, other projects or protocols came out and said, we can do this cheaper, faster, and better. And so they did. At first, they wanted to try to do their own thing. They're like, we're going to get everybody to move over to our platform. Well, they didn't. Everybody stayed on Ethereum, Don't, no matter if it wasn't scalable, slow, or expensive. Everybody was building on Ethereum. Well, the thing is, the platforms realized that they could actually build a bridge. Fine, you're not going to come and build on my platform. Well, I'm going to build a bridge so you can utilize the benefits of my platform and still have your coin on Ethereum. Well, some you know projects just build on Ethereum and don't want to you know take all their products from Ethereum and move it to another chain. So they built that bridge. And so now they can work with one chain or another chain. So you might see the same coins on one chain or another chain, and they build a bridge between multiple chains, but it's the same project. You can think of it as the same train running on different tracks. You standardize the width of the tracks, and then you can take the car and put it on one track or another track. One track might have a speed limit, though, of 35 miles an hour, and the other one might have a speed limit of 85 miles an hour. So, more of the story is, some protocols decide to build a bridge with Ethereum in their protocol or their chain, and now these trains can run on the different tracks. Hope that answers your question, Jeff. The next question is from Xavier, but I'm not going to read his question. I want to read his statement, and his statement is, P.S. Coinbase customer service is god-awful. I can't believe a public company can be this piss poor. Thank you, Xavier, and I hope somebody from Coinbase is listening to the show so they can finally do something about their damn awful customer service it's embarrassing please stop please stop coinbase you got enough money hire some damn people kevin writes in and asks where do you think doge is going and where does insiders and analysts think doge will be at this time next year kevin this is the million trillion billion whatever lots of money question that everybody asks no matter if you're a trader or a crypto trader or a stock trader or it doesn't matter kevin we don't know I would love to tell you, I would love to tell you something that's so confident, so true that you become rich. I have no clue. And if I did know, I promise you, you might be hearing this podcast recorded from a helicopter going to my penthouse. Well, one of my hundred penthouses, because I bought a lot of penthouses for some reason, because I'm rich and that's what rich people do, I guess. But <laughs> we don't we don't know, Kevin. And I wish I could tell you, but Dan Roberts actually is coming up in, in a little bit and he's going to talk about what Mark Cuban said on the podcast about Doge and other people have said about Doge. Take it with a grain of salt, do your own research, D-Y-O-R, and I wish you the best. And if you do get that Lambo from Dogecoin or any other investment, 
please write in. Tell me you got it. Send me a picture because congratulations to you. I want you to win, Kevin. I want everybody to win. But this is the $100 million, billion, trillion dollar question. And finally, the last question comes from Greg Kelly. And Greg asks, how do capital gains taxes work when buying and selling crypto? Greg, you also ask a couple other questions. I want to refer you to a tax episode that we did back in the day. So please look at our history and find the tax episode. A crypto specialist CPA was on the show and they talked all about taxes. So please listen to that episode for more detail. But in general, in a nutshell, I am not a tax advisor or a financial advisor. Please let's make that clear. Here's how capital gains taxes work. There's short-term and long-term capital gains taxes. Short-term capital gains means you have bought and sold and you haven't held your crypto for over a year. So that means if I bought it on May 1st and I sold it on May 15th, that's short term. If I bought it on January 1st and I sold it in December 15th, that's not a year, that's short term capital gains. And so the profit from your investment counts against your income. So that means, let's just say you put $10,000 into say Dogecoin and now your Dogecoin is $20,000. So you minus that $10,000 and that other $10,000 profit goes to your income. So let's say you have a $50,000 a year job. You take that $10,000 and you put it towards your $50,000, which means you made $60,000 that year. And whatever tax bracket you see yourself in with $60,000, that's what you pay. That's short-term capital gains. So if that's 30%, 29%, 27%, whatever your state and local taxes are, that's what tax bracket you're in. Long-term capital gains means you held over a year. You bought on January 1st and you're not selling it until January 2nd, the next year. Maybe January 1st. I'm not too sure about the specific days, but it's over a year. And that means you can have tax benefits until Biden changes that. But for now, it's like this. For long-term capital gains, if your income is between zero and $40,000, you could pay zero taxes, 0% taxes. But that means you have no other income. You're just making money off of your capital gains. You take $40,000 or under $40,000 out of your uh, investment and you pay zero taxes in there. You're living off that $40,000 of invested capital. But if you make over $40,000, you have to pay taxes and those capital gains taxes. Let's just say you had a $50,000 income. So you're going to be paying short-term 15% capital gains if you take out anywhere from zero to $440,000, roughly. You pay 15% plus some other fees. It's going to be around 17.5%. And if you have over $440,000 in profit, again, this is all profit. This isn't how much you take out. Let's just say you take out $441,000, but you put $100,000 in there. You actually have $341,000 of profit. You're paying, well, that's only 15%. But if you have profits over $441,000, you're paying 20% plus some fees. So it's around 22.5-23% taxes on that. So the question comes is, what if you're buying and selling? If you're buying and selling like a lot, that means everything you make in profit goes towards your income. And that could start stacking. Make a $100 profit here, put it towards your income. 1000 here, put it towards your income. 10000 here, put it towards your income. 500 here, put it towards your income. Greg, I hope that explains that. I know it's a little bit confusing to do it audio. <laughs> I know it's a little confusing to do it in audio fashion, but I, I tried my best. I hope that helps. Moving into our main conversation today, I talked to Dan Roberts, the editor-in-chief of Decrypt, and we're recapping day one of the Ethereal Summit. Dan, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. 
Terrific. Good morning, Matthew. Uh, uh, good morning to you. You're having a b- busy day. I see you running back and forth between screens, between all kinds of things. I, I know that you're going to be coming on in a little bit with CZ Zhao, which is going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to that talk. But yesterday was a huge day for Decrypt and Ethereal. Tell me, what is Ethereal first? And then tell me about the day yesterday. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wild couple days. Uh, and I'm, I'm really glad to see the engagement. I mean, during this event, there's a live viewer chat and you can see it goes ping, 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 ping. You can't even keep up with it because the people are, are sending so many kind of fast and furious chats, which is great. Uh, Ethereal Summit, you know, a lot of your listeners will already know Ethereal. It's been around since 2017. Now, in the past, it was really a consensus event. And your listeners might know Decrypt is funded by consensus. You know, we were upfront about that, although there's no involvement from consensus in our editorial. Um, you know, and, and consensus is the big Ethereum incubator, tons of projects. We are the only media brand in that portfolio. Now, in the past, because it was really a consensus-led event, it really was just an Ethereum event. But it was a big summit that a lot of people loved. It had huge fans who go every year. Now, this time around, it's really powered by Decrypt. That's the language we've been using. And what it means is it's the same great Ethereal summit as in the past, but even better because we've opened our arms a little bit more. We've broadened it out a little more. It's not just an Ethereum thing. And I mean, you can see in the quality and caliber of the big name speakers that we've lined up for these two days. That's awesome. And I, I saw that there was Edward Snowden yesterday and so many more. And I was actually a panelist. I'm not a panelist, a moderator for one of the uh, talks yesterday with Solana, which I hope everybody that's listening goes and checks that out. But tell us about who was on yesterday and some highlights from yesterday, please. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we kicked off day one with Mark Cuban. Now, I had spoken with Ooh. him three months ago. And of course, it's just funny because, you know, two years ago, he wasn't thought of as a big crypto guy. But suddenly he's like one of the loudest voices in the room when it comes to crypto Twitter. So I first spoke to him three months ago for Decrypt and the interest in that interview was just enormous. So we had him back to kick off Ethereal. We focused the talk on NFTs because he has gone completely crazy for NFTs. He's invested in like six different NFT websites, you know, but we also ended up talking about Ethereum. He is, you know, he's someone who's happy to say that he thinks the potential of Ethereum down the line is much bigger than the potential of Bitcoin, which is just interesting. He's certainly not the only one who thinks that. Now, he's also famous, Matthew, for kind of pumping Dogecoin on Twitter. And man, I mean, I get it, but I also think like, you know, it was created as a joke. People look at that and they just are not pleased. And they say, you know, this is a sign of, you know, this is from the seriousness of the crypto industry. And I don't disagree with that. Now, interestingly, in our chat, Cuban predicted that Dogecoin will hit a dollar soon. And then even more interesting, he said he thinks it'll level out there and really start to behave like a stable coin. And he argued that it's become more of a utility because it's easy to use for payments. I think that's a stretch. I think that's quite a stretch. Mm, Now, interestingly, much later in the day, we had a Wall Street panel where Ross Gerber, who's a more traditional Wall Street investor, you know, he he runs uh, his own RIA. And that his, his investing group is now buying Bitcoin on behalf of clients. Ross Gerber, I asked about Dogecoin. He said the opposite of Cuban. He said he thinks it's a joke. It's not a utility. So I don't know where people fall along those two lines. But interestingly, after Cuban's comments, Dogecoin fell. It did not go up. Interesting. So what were some other highlights of the day? Like I said, you know, Edward Snow was there. Was there Edward just over there talking about his normal like security and safety and data and privacy? Or did he like go into like cryptocurrency or what he's predicting for mooning in the future? Yeah, I'm glad you asked about Snowden. That was the next thing I was going to highlight. I mean, we know that his whole big push is privacy and security and outside of government surveillance. And so unsurprisingly, he loves privacy coins. He, he talked up Zcash. 
He actually thinks Zcash does a better job of privacy than Monero, but he said they're both good. There are a number of great privacy coins out there. But he also said, and this was the big headline we pulled from it, that Bitcoin must become private by design. He, he thinks Bitcoin hasn't you know, sufficiently protected privacy and, and been kind of a privacy first uh, network. And that's just interesting. You know, I've actually always said people call Bitcoin anonymous. That's really not true. It's semi-anonymous. I mean, you know, right. transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain, they don't say Matthew Aaron Deemer sent Dan Roberts to Bitcoin, but they do say, you know, wallet address B2Z224. And if you click, you can see the other transactions that wallet address has done. So it's really not totally anonymous. Um, but man, it was just great to hear from Edward Snowden. I mean, he thinks the decentralized web is really the future of a free press. Mm, mm, that's very interesting. I would love to do a whole episode on just the free press and decentralized uh, web. The Winklevi were also there yesterday. Was, isn't that right? What did they talk about? Were they talking about just Gemini? But they are just pioneers in this whole space in general. So yeah. what, what, what did they say? They talked about Gemini. Now, now they, they also acquired Nifty Gateway. And of course, again, I think because NFTs are so of the moment now, you know, it's unsurprising that their conversation would end up being even less about Gemini and more about Nifty Gateway. And they said, you know, we acquired it over a year ago, which in this space feels like an eternity ago. And the interesting thing to me was they said that, you know, the, the proposition of NFTs took a long time to catch on. It wasn't clear to people. It was confusing to people in the art world. And the, the comparison one of them drew was it's kind of like how Bitcoin took so long to catch on with traditional finance folks. They just kind of couldn't get there. But now, as we know, more than ever before, they have gotten there. And later on, we heard from the founders of Nifty Gateway in a separate oh. panel. Same kind of thing. And one of them, the quote from that panel that stood out to me, one of the um, brothers, the Cockfoster twins, uh, said that they've had days on Nifty Gateway where they did more in trading volume in one day than CryptoKitties did in its entire lifetime. And he said, you know, still you hear from skeptics who say NFTs are stupid and they'll never work. Well, they're wrong. They're more and more wrong continually. He said, it's like Peter Schiff every day, just repeating Bitcoin is stupid and Bitcoin won't succeed, hoping that eventually he's right. But instead, he's been more and more wrong. Today is day two. We're rounding up day one. Day two is kicking off. You're going to come on with CZ Jowl in just a minute. I'm very excited to see that talk. What other highlights are we expecting out of today? Well, you know, CZ is a big get and it's always interesting to talk to him. Um, I'm going to be pushing him for sure on a number of things. There are, you know, controversies around Binance. I mean, it's the biggest crypto exchange in the world, but it's also extremely controversial. They've had regulatory issues. They've had questions about, well, where are you even based? And he refuses to say where their headquarters is. More recently, there's been what sure looked like clear Ethereum project copycats on Binance's version of Ethereum, uh, Binance <laughs> Smart Chain. I'll ask him about that. So we'll get into it. We've also got Vitalik on hand and Vitalik's going to give, I hope, a little bit more of a sense of the timing of Ethereum 2.0. Later in the day, I'm talking to the mayor of Miami and he has, you know, been, been part of a huge push to make Miami into crypto city. Is it working? Is Miami crypto city yet? And uh, joining us for that chat is Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX. Oh, wow. And okay. He, he, he fits there because we know that FTX just signed a 19-year sponsorship deal to be the stadium naming rights sponsor of the Miami Heat. And some people look at that, and Matthew, it's like FTX is a company that didn't exist three years ago, and now they're signing a 19-year sponsorship? I remember when I first heard of Sam Bankman-Fried, and I was on a call with PR, and everybody told me, pay attention to this kid. And I was yeah. just like, I wrote him off. I was just like, this is another person coming in this space, doing something, whatever. There's plenty of ICOs. I am 
100% shocked, amazed, and dumbfounded by how fast he grew and how big and how far he's come. Amazing. Amazing. You have somebody else that I'm very interested on uh, today's Ethereal Summit, and that's Brian Brooks. And that oh, yeah. actually goes with your CZ. Are you going to talk to CZ about Brian Brooks? And where? And what is Brian Brooks, you think, going to say about being the new CEO of Binance.us? Well, it's funny to me because there's a trend. And every time I see another example, I laugh. But, you know, it, it, it sort of seems shameless to me of regulators who previously regulated crypto companies. And the minute they're done in the government, what do they do? They go work at a crypto company. <laughs> and it's just like it's such a revolving door like. Now I'll show you how to deal with the regulations, but everyone does it. I mean, it's not just finance, you know, blockchain.com recently hired two former senators to be advisors and someone who worked on Obama's campaign. We know what these companies are doing, right? They're all gearing up to try to play nice with lawmakers and try to be, uh, you know, look like they're pro-regulation and willing to work with the government. So I'll definitely ask CZ about hiring Brian Brooks. And then right after we talk, uh, Jeff Roberts, our executive editor, interviewed Brian Brooks. So we've got the Binance and then Binance US one-two punch today. I, I'm assuming that they're going to these companies because the, the pay is good. And I'm just wondering when Daniel Roberts <laughs> goes and makes all these connections at Decrypt and goes and works and becomes the CEO of Coinbase. Not for a while. Not for a while, my friend. <laughs> I'm a journalist. I'm joking, um, man. I'm joking. Totally. I'll give you one other highlight for day two that, I, that I'm personally really looking forward to. And that is a panel we're calling the Dawn of the Dows. You know, so many of these groups, these decentralized autonomous organizations have cropped up out of nowhere. They gather strangers from Discord and Telegram and they pool their money and invest in NFTs. Then they flip the NFTs and everyone gets some of the money. I mean, it's really a decentralized form of venture capital. And I, I think that panel is going to be lit. Dan, everybody who's listening to this right now is probably halfway through the day, though, but they might want to register for the Ethereum Summit and watch the end of the day, too. How would they do that? Oh, yeah. So all of the panels day one are already, as we talk here on Friday morning, up on our Decrypt Media YouTube channel. Very easy to find. As for watching the live event, just go to the Decrypt Twitter account because we have repeatedly tweeted the hop-in link. It's free. You have to take a second to register. It takes a second and it's free. And then you can watch day two live on hop-in. But of course, after day two ends, we'll add all the day two panels to our YouTube page as well. Daniel Roberts, Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt Media. Thank you very much for coming on and giving us a day one roundup. And I'll see you tomorrow for a day two roundup, sir. Looking forward to it. And Matthew, you do a great job with the pod. And you did a great job on day one talking about Solana. Oh, you were making me blush. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And I will be back tomorrow for day two of the Ethereal Summit roundup. Also with Dan Roberts. Until tomorrow. Happy hodling, everyone.